Hey everybody, this episode of the R&R Show is brought to you by Crafting Kingdoms, who have a GameFound campaign launching on March 7th, and I figured I'd just take a little bit of time to give you a brief tour of what the uh, unofficial Frosthaven and Gloomhaven compatible playmats are all about. So you see, I've got the Frosthaven version set up with one of the early missions from Frosthaven. Don't worry, there will be no major spoilers here, but if we go into an overhead view, you can see how there is a space for everything. For people who like to organize, you've got your main board here where you keep track of your character, the cards you played, the cards you've lost, the cards that are still in your hand that you're trying to stay alive with, your items and whatnot, your modifier deck, even spots for your little tiny um, progress trackers and uh, loot and all that. And actually, there are two different versions of a player mat. This is the full one that also has room for your battle goal and your personal quests, your ongoing uh, keeping track of your character and your big dial, but there is a, a smaller one that just focuses on this half if space is at a premium and you want to be able to move that stuff around. Also, I should say these are two-sided, so if you're feeling more gloomhaven-y, more dungeon-y, you've got the uh, amber hues of uh, this one, or you've got the uh, blue frosted, frigid frosthaven environment. And then on top of that, you've also got, and there are available multiples of these for missions where you've got more than four bad guys going at once, but you keep track of the bad guys and their decks and their own decks, and and um, if all that weren't enough, folks, they also have a full environment as well that um, you can lay out so that if you don't want your, um, you know, the dungeon you're exploring just to sit there on the board, you want to feel a little bit more thematic, like it's part of a bigger area, uh, either above ground or below ground, you've got that option too, uh, two-sided like everything else, the dungeon side and the frosty side. And uh, these have proven to be very popular on their first run. And like I said, they're opening up a new crowdfunding campaign for these on GameFound on March 7th. And thanks for supporting the show, Crafting Kingdom. And folks, we are now going to get to a very big, uh, very controversial, I fear, um, top 15 countdown. And while I cannot be there live with um, Ruel and Chris George of Room and Board, they're going to do a great job and you will be hearing from me. You'll be hearing my uh, entries are number 13 uh, and 10 and 7 and 4. I forget now. I've got 5. They've got 10 between them. And uh, folks, prepare to agree sometimes and disagree uh, heartily other times. And uh, I'm going to get out of the way and let Chris and Ruel take it away. Let's go, guys. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And hello, friends. Welcome to the R&R and &R and R show. I'm Ruel Gabriela, joined by, uh, with uh, Chris George. Uh, Chris, how the heck are you, my man? Uh, you know what, Ruel? I'm doing fantastic now that I am here with you. My day has been brightened, and I am ready for games to destroy other games. Yeah. That's what I'm ready. Yeah, I am ready, too. I'm excited to do this. This is something I've never done before. I've never done this type of list, um, so... I'm curious to see what your picks are and see Richards as well. He'll be um, interspersed here with us in just a mm -hmm. second. Uh, thank you, friends, for watching and hanging out with us. Let's you know, let's just jump right into it, Chris. What are we talking about? We're talking about games that destroy other games. Are they? Let's do it. Okay. I mean, like like for me, okay. That like the the title is a bit bombastic, but there are a lot of games which, when you play them, you think this just feels like the same but different but a little bit more exciting than than a previous game that you may have enjoyed or yeah. or that game might have run out a little bit and then this gives a nice little tweak to bring it back mm -hmm. and so for me for my list I, my number one i feel i feel i'll never return to that other game but for Ooh. for most of the other ones i think there's still merit right in the in, in the games it's just if i have a, a hankering to play one of these things i will nine out of ten times gravitate towards the the one that has destroyed the game so yeah 
Yeah, that's well put. Well said, uh, my friend. I, I feel the same. Uh, most of these are games that, you know, I would choose the one that, you know, destroys the other one to play. Them. But at the same time, there's uh, the other games still have merit. And, you know, not all of us play all the games. And I, I get that. So, you know, um, there some of them are still, uh, you know, they're good to go for whatever situation. But let's just kick things off. We're going to jump right into it. Um, I'm going to bring up this uh, browser here. Uh, we're looking at uh, BGG. Uh, Chris, we're going to have you kick right. things off because uh, you are the man. And I'm ready. This is our number 15. Right. So we've got 15 games that destroyed our the games folks and uh, chris is going to lead things off here yeah we have to start out with a doozy uh you may have heard of this game i'm going to say which game uh is out first oh. and then i'll say the game that destroyed it uh except and i just spoiled it right there that's fine i was going to tease it with caverna but like you've heard of caverna before oh yeah caverna may have toppled some other games but you know what topples caverna agricola wow and hot Right out of the gate. Nice. Uh, I want to stand up for I want to stand up for Agricola here because I think uh, when I thought of this list, I thought the initial thought from a lot of people would be that Caverna destroys Agricola. I feel like that's the general consensus on a lot of the, when this conversation gets picked up. Right. right? Is that Caverna it, it was the the better iteration of Agricola because it's just more. You you have all that makes Agricola fun, and then you have the additional caves that make Caverna interesting. And you have all those different rooms where you can plug things in. And I and I really enjoy Caverna, but there's what keeps bringing me back to Agricola. I I, I played Agricola and then I played Caverna, and then anytime somebody suggests Caverna, I still just want to play Agricola. So for me, it's me like taking a Taking 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 one for Agricola and and bringing Agricola back into the spotlight. And for nice. me, it's the card play. I I love the card play of yeah. Agricola, and I, I think that's what I'm missing a lot in Caverna because Caverna you have all the different buildings and the the choice of the building is is exciting. But I love getting your own hand of cards at the very beginning of the game and plotting out how you're going to try to achieve some of them because you're never going to be able to achieve all of them throughout Agricola. And and I like that little mini game that only I know what's in my hand and I have to figure out what my special puzzle is and then being surprised by what other people are playing and when they're playing them in the, in the area. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I really like, uh, yeah, I, I like Agricola and, and it surprises me that Agricola plays so quickly now, at least to me, um, I'm always, I always think Agricola is going to be like two hours and then I pull it out and I play it. And I'm like, Oh wait, that was like 45 minutes. And, and yeah. that also makes it, uh, makes it more, more accessible, I guess, to me, it feels a right. bit easier to set up. I like the difference that comes with all the different cards and the different decks. And, uh, that's why Agricola destroyed Caverna. Caverna nice. no longer exists. It's official. <laughs> that only, you only have Agricola now. I love it. Wow. Shots fired right out of the <laughs> gates, uh, friends. Look at that. Yeah, because most people are always going to talk about how Caverna just, you know, killed uh, Agricola for them or destroyed it. And we have a special guest. Yay. Oh, I love guest. this. <laughs> Hi, buddy. It, it, what, what's your cat's name? Is it Agricola? Uh, his name's Artie. Oh, Artie. Okay, Artie. Artie. But it's been officially changed today to Agricola. <laughs> See, even Agricola is a better name for a cat, folks. So there you go. That is true. You're going to name your cat Agricola or you're going to name your cat Caverna. Exactly. Oh, that's my case. Hey, have you played, um, uh, just on this, uh, you know, we're talking about these games. Have you yeah. played Caverna, the cave farm, the two-player version? I think it's the cave farmers. Yeah, I have. I used to have it. I kind of got rid of it because yeah. uh, I think that would fall like third out of them. Okay. You know, it, for, for me, it's Agricola and then Caverna and then the cave farm farmers. Got it. I liked it. But uh, it just, it just, I don't know. There was something about it that, that didn't turn my crank. I, you know what it was? It's, a, it's the weirdest complaint, and it's not actually a complaint. Oh. It's that I didn't like that there was a little resource track because I just wanted to hold oh. on to all of my resources <laughs> like smog. Yeah. You know? That's, <laughs> I remember thinking that. But That's I, so true. I, I, I liked it as a, as, a, as a lighter game, but yeah. 
I thought, you know what, I, I would rather be playing Agricola or Caverna right now. So yeah. that's, yeah. That, that's funny. There is something to be said about actually holding, you know, resources in your hand rather than just tracking it on, you know, on a board. Oh, so funny. Um, <laughs> great. Okay. So there we go. We're, yeah, we're jumping right into it, friends. Um, got our number 14 next. Um, let me What's get your 14, Ruel? Here it is. So I, I this is, honestly, this is a softball. Uh, this is such a softball for me, but. You know, I love this game so much. It was a uh, my wife Michelle and I are huge fans uh, of this game when it came out, and it is um, a game that killed a classic game for a lot of people, and that is our number fourteen, Cascadia. It destroyed Carcassonne. Uh, they are both uh, tile laying games, and they are both wonderful tile laying games. But come on. Cascadia, it has a dual layer drafting where you're drafting the animals and the habitats. You have different mm. scoring conditions. And the main thing is, Chris, by firing Carcassonne, I don't have to worry about having to explain how farmers score in Carcassonne anymore. <laughs> that was my favorite part. Um, That's true. You know, it's like it always messes me up and no one ever understands it. But Cascadia is so straightforward. I mean, it's a spill to jar winner. I mean, this is a fantastic game. Yeah. And right here, I'm playing this on my channel with my buddy Daryl. We played Carcassonne, so we do this thing called On the Clock on my uh, YouTube and Twitch channel where we play games with a chess clock. And we challenge ourselves, can we play Cascadia in 10 minutes? We did. We each have five minutes. Uh, you make a move, press the clock, make a move, go back and forth. It's insane, but it's insanely cool. fun as well. Yeah. And oh, it's so, and it reminded me of how good um, Cascadia was. And that's why it's our number 14, Cascadia destroying Carcassonne, folks. Now, and Cascadia over Calico, I guess because Calico is, Cascadia are at least building a, a, an environment, right? Calico is still tile-laying, yeah. but uh, it's more objective-based. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know, I, I enjoy ca Calico as well, but just something, I, I think I like the open uh, board mm -hmm. of Cascadia more. It's a little, you know, whereas Calico feels really confined, you know, Cascadia is a little right. more spread out there. So True. Yeah. yeah. It's so confined in Calico. It, it really is. It's a different type of challenge. But hey, that's our number 14. Let's see what Richard has in store for us for number 13. All right, everybody. Hopefully you've been enjoying the list so far. And before I get to number 13, I just think it bears repeating probably one more time that just because one game replaces another in my heart doesn't mean the replaced game is any lesser for it. These are all still wonderful games. They're just replaced by games that I like a smidge more. So let's get to number 13 because, folks, Maracaibo destroys Great Western Trail for for me. Oh my goodness. Uh, it's the Battle of the Fisters. And while, I mean, make no mistake, uh, Great Western Trail is amazing, uh, and so is its sequel, Argentina, and I'm looking forward to New Zealand. If you're talking about an Alexander Pfister-designed game where the board is a big, massive rondelle that players are slowly working their way through while constantly building up new outposts on that rondelle to um, try to hit, uh, to get certain benefits along the way, <clears throat> For my money, Maracaibo is the superior title both because it gets rid of the implicit uh, player versus player nature of Great Western Trail, where I try to actually put stops on the rondelle that mess with my opponents. Here, it's all positive. It's all about me just trying to build better stuff for myself. Plus, Maracaibo has a really, really cool story narrative woven in as well. Plus, if you get the Maracaibo um, Uprising expansion, it turns into a cooperative game and becomes a game where we're trying to destroy the uh, corrosive effect of colonization rather than being a party to it. So the game has evolved as the industry has evolved, and so it's very exciting as well. And again, obviously, Great Western Trail is still amazing, uh, and I could totally see why some people would prefer it over Maracaibo, but for me, there is no two ways about it. Maracaibo destroyed Great Western Trail. Wow. I... I don't know what to say. I, you know, I know there's a lot of fans of uh, Great Western Trail, but to say that Mark Heibel destroyed it, what do you think, Chris? Uh, 
Well, I mean, you heard it here first. Unequivocally, Richard said that he hates Great Western Trail forever and will never play again. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, what, what I think is, is interesting, I haven't played Maracaibo. I really enjoy Great Western Trail, uh, but I've never played Maracaibo. But I, I love I love that Richard's uh, personality of positivity and not wanting to be mean in games uh, uh, comes out, I think, in this. Yeah. Because he was saying in terms of, of the the hazards and stopping people and forcing people to give you coins in Great Western Trail that kind of doesn't exist in Maracaibo. Yeah. So like a, a, and being able to kind of optimize your your rondel systems in a, in a different way yeah. is um is fun is uh yeah is exciting to me. Yeah. I, it makes me just more excited to play Maracaibo because I'm like great if that gives me a same feeling of Great Western Trail <laughs> I'm in. Oh totally like I, it's been a while since I played either game so I, I want to get back to I just got uh, Great Western Trail Argentina in so I'm looking forward to Ooh. playing that. Have you have you played that one yet or No okay. I haven't I've just played the I just played the base. Yeah I think that might be something we should play at Dice Tower West perhaps so Yeah let's do it we'll that see. would be great. Okay cool. Oh All right. I'm excited. Yeah so thank you Richard for that. Uh let's uh continue the countdown so we're back to Chris uh, Chris, you've got a, a doozy for number 12, I think. So why don't we move I on? I do here? have a doozy. And and honestly, this one is a bit tongue-in-cheek. This one probably destroys it the least amount, if I have to preface that. Okay. Uh, but I'm saying this because both of these are cube-pushing worker placements. Uh, they're, they're, they've got themes on them that really doesn't matter in the long run. Um, the one that replaces the one that it's be, that is being replaced is Lords of Waterdeep. The uh -huh. one that replaces it has a little bit more of a theme, and uh, but it still feels just like go and get some cubes. And, and I kind of just want to give this a shout out because people look down, I think, on this game a bit, oh, yeah. and it's really solid. Uh, and I think the parallels are are, are really there, and it, and it provides just a, a more rich uh, or longer experience of Lords of Waterdeep, and that's uh, Abomination, Heir of Frankenstein, yes. kills Lords of Waterdeep. Whoa, um, yeah. And, like, I'll still play Lords of Waterdeep. Oh, I've yeah. played it a bunch. Same. Uh, I, and it's it's great. I mean, it's fantastic. It's... I, I, I love it, and, and I love how you can complete a whole bunch of different goals. Uh, in Abomination, if you think of your goals being your body parts, uh, you're, you're assembling a, a, a human monster is what you're doing. Uh, it's, it's what my parents did when they gave birth to me. Um, <laughs> you're assembling a human monster one piece at a time, and, and then you flip, and then you have to put skin on that monster, because obviously they cannot go out in public <laughs> looking just like a dead, <laughs> horrid beast, right? right? Oh, my. Uh, yeah, there, there'll be some problems with that, <laughs> for sure. Exactly. So, so you got to put some skin on your monster. I mean, we're not, we're not, <laughs> we're not animals here. We got skin, at least. Um, but speaking of animals, you could use animals in the game, right? That's true. Which you is sort of creepy. Just... You can't just mash some animal parts in with your monster. Um, I, I love the theme of this game. And I think people often overlook this game because they're afraid of the length. There's been yeah. a big to-do about it be taking four hours to play a game. And and then and then they've released like an Igor variant, yep. which speeds it up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, it's never taken that long. It, it, it's It was like you know, two hours, maybe yeah. I'm sure that's longer than Lords of Waterdeep will take you, but it's still, if you want all that goodness of just go to a place, get some cubes. What I really like about abomination is that the cubes that you get, they slowly deteriorate yes. over time. Yeah. And so you have to use them or else they're gone. And I, and I find that sort of time limit to be really interesting and really exciting. And, and so I was trying to think of, of kind of classic games for this list and then and then how they could be replaced. And I was like, honestly, it's really hard to kill Lords of Waterdeep. And, and I yeah. was kind of just searching for a way to kill kill Lords of Waterdeep. <laughs> Not that I need to kill it. I still I play it still a lot. Yeah. Because uh, my, my girlfriend Renee really likes it as well. It's one of her favorites. But um I was thinking of those sort of sort of parallels and and in the parallel of just get a bunch of cubes and build some stuff <laughs> and the theme doesn't matter. I think that hits that hits pretty pretty well with Abomination. Very nice. That's that's our number twelve. Abomination destroys 
Lords of Waterdeep. Yeah, a great choice. And I think it's apropos that it's destroying something because there's a lot of destruction in that game itself. <laughs> you know, um, I really like Abomination as well. I do uh, appreciate that they included the Igor variant now where it does mm-hmm. speed things up. Yeah. Sort of like how like Terraforming Mars Prelude speeds up uh, Terraforming Mars. Uh, but yeah, thematically, gosh, this game's got it in spades, right? I mean, it is yeah. just dripping in theme and it's fun. Yeah. yeah, it's so good. I don't, do you think perhaps that people were a little turned off by the theme? I mean, it's pretty gruesome if you, you know, if you really look at it and just looking at it, so. right? Yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, I think the cube nature of it helps me, at least myself divest yeah. my own mind from the theme. Mm. But if you really think about it, like there's a spot where you can just murder people. And get yeah. a bunch of resources. Right. And if you're thinking about what those resources are, it's you're murdering someone <laughs> and you're turning them into your own monster. And that's horrible. It's awful. <laughs> but it also makes for a really good Halloween game as well. Oh, that's so. right. Yeah. This is like one of the, the top, like, I think I did my top five Halloween games. And this was uh, one of them for sure. It's just so, yeah. so thematic and so good. Um I, it's definitely uh, more complex and, you know, uh, uh, strategically uh, compared yeah. to Lords of the Waterdeep. So, definitely. Yeah, definitely. it's uh, definitely a step up, right? I would call this a gamer's yeah. game for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, de- yeah I, 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 that's a great point to make is that there's not a direct comparison. There is going to be uh, a little increase of complexity, and, and that's where the added length comes in. Uh, but, but the basics of the game is you go to a location with a worker, mm-hmm. you get some cubes, you use those cubes to complete your body parts. That's it. Yeah. It's how you do it and the strategy behind it and kind of leveling up your own stats along the way that adds to that complexity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Great call, man. That was such a good game. I really enjoy that game. Okay. So that uh, number 12, Abomination Destroys Lords of Waterdeep. Let's move on to our number 11. Uh, This one is a lot. It's basically the next iteration of a game um, that... Um, I really enjoyed the first time, the first couple of times I played it, uh, this game uh, that's going to get destroyed. But it got destroyed by another iteration of the game. And this is our number 11, Dinosaur Roar and Right destroys Dinosaur Island. Um, yes. I loved Dinosaur Island, Chris. But here's the thing. It takes forever to set up and forever to take down and break down. And you've got yeah. all these bits and all these moves, which is great. But, you know, for the exact same experience, I can get grab some dice and a, a sheet of paper and get things almost the identical game and do it in less time. And there's no cleanup or no set, barely any setup. And, oh, my gosh, I love, love, love this game. You got the puzzly nature of uh, the, you know, um, the uh, polyomino, uh, the polyomino style pieces that you're drawing. Uh, those are mm-hmm. the different dinosaurs and the different pens that they have. You're still rolling the dice and you're still uh, managing resources and trying to get the different um, characters in play, like your scientists and so forth. Oh my gosh, I love this game. And it was before as recently um, supplanted in my mind uh, for best roll and write. Uh, it's still one of my top three roll and writes. I I think it's fantastic. You know, for a roll and write, it's got theme. It really does. I mean, you you do feel like you're these characters. You're trying to take care of the you know dinosaurs. And of course, as we all know, watching Jurassic Park, nothing ever bad that happens when you have dinosaurs <laughs> in a park, right? Um, so nothing, nothing. It, it's everything's fine. But yeah, it has the big chunky dice, just like the original. Look at those dice. That's almost the exact same dice you have in the original game. And uh, you keep track of resources on on the paper. You have your different abilities on the the characters and whatnot. The cards they come out. There's a lot of variability in the game and replayability as well. But boy, I just love the fact that I can have the exact same experience with so much less clutter, and it's a streamlined experience, and it's such a good game. Um, I can solo this in about 35, 45 minutes, um, and I can play it multiplayer around the same time as well. And I, I really appreciate that. Um, I have actually, I didn't destroy my copy of Dinosaur Island, but I did cull it out of my collection after I um, discovered uh, Dinosaur Raw and Right. So bye-bye, Dinosaur Island. Hello, Dinosaur Raw and Right. That's our number 11, folks. Dinosaur Raw and Right. Yeah, I I love Dinosaur Raw and Right. It's so good. Uh, I, I was so excited for you to talk about this. Uh, because I, I knew it was on your list because it was also on my list and then it got removed. So ah, nice. Um, but I was going to say Dinosaur Roar and Write destroys almost any other roll and write for me. Yeah. I, I, 
I would play this over any of them because it's just so interactive, mm-hmm. so so full. It's so filling yeah. for like such a small box, and I I just love everything it's, that it presents. Yeah, I, that's such a great word, filling, right? It really does feel like, you know, you, you tend to think small box games, okay, it's light, quick, we'll move on to something. Mm-hmm. No, this one, I mean, it is like a full-on board game in the small box. I mean, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. All right, cool. So that's our number 11. Let's see what Richard has for number 10. Okay, continuing on with this space madness, I'm going to tell you about number 10. Because, folks, let me just tell you right now, my farm shop destroys both Space Base and Card Kingdoms of Valeria. And I know, I know, uh, I'm anticipating the comments now, but... Uh, for my money, my farm shop, when you play with all of the modules turned on for full complexity, offers such rich gameplay, so much more depth of decision making than its contemporaries, Space Base, which is a monstrously popular uh, version of this style of game, or my former favorite, Card Kingdoms of Valeria, which I also thought was very, very nice. Um, but while both of those games work quite nicely, uh, you're only rolling two dice and then you've got just a couple choices to make every round. Oh, I should say, all of these games follow the Machi Koro formula, and all of these games supplant or destroy Machi Koro, where uh, every round, one player rolls some dice, the lead player rolls some dice, and then that player and everybody else uses those dice to trigger their little uh, card engines that they have been building up over the course of the game. And My Farm Shop offers so much more. And it's not just because you're rolling three dice instead of two, it's what you do with those dice and the way you manipulate them. Because when I'm the one who rolls, I take some for myself and I leave the other ones for everybody else. And that level of interactivity does not exist in the other games and so elevates it. Plus, the engine building is a lot more engaging and interesting with objectives and all kinds of extra stuff. So, for my money, Farm Shop destroys all previous iterations of Machi Koro-style gameplay. And now... Watch this uh, space, folks, because Bad Company might eventually destroy my farm shop as well. I have not played that one enough. It's the latest in this uh, style of gameplay. But for now, uh, that was number 10 on the list. Back to you guys. Destroy space space? What the? Oh, okay. <laughs> I have not played my farm shop, and I've heard many, many either. good. Uh, I've heard many, many good things about it. But come on, space space, man. That is. I think it's a modern classic and, and you know, I, I, I'm sort of like my jaw hit the ground when he said it kills space space. <laughs> Richard's going on a tear. He said bad company might destroy my farm shop, but, but he hasn't had enough plays in it. He, he's just, he's just tearing them up one after another. And I thought we, we got to get more intense here. Well, because Richard's bringing the heat. He really is. Oh is my pissed. goodness. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I do love I, I I love space space I I, yeah. I think I think that system lends itself so well to to like lighter or newer game games Agreed. right like I I consider it the same as Catan where you roll something yeah. and everybody gets something and that's yeah. always that's always something that I like to see in games and enjoy because I'm like great it keeps me engaged on everybody's turn yeah. and I always have a decision to make so I, I really love when games do that uh, so do I I fully agree with you Chris this, anytime you you can stay engaged uh, in, in a game and you know, number one there's like so I just love the tactile sensation of rolling dice there's just something really mm-hmm. cool about that but yeah as long as everyone's still involved and yeah I roll but you're getting resources or whatever there's something to be said for that and something to be said about Richard just tearing up space space we're gonna <laughs> have to see what's next on the list here uh but let's move on uh, that was our number uh 10 if you're an athlete you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down after all a team is only as good as its weakest link so you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field that's why there's no vape in team when you vape you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs if you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Got number nine, and I'm excited for this one. I, I took a sneak peek at this one, Chris, so I'm, I'll <laughs> let you take it away from here. All right. Th- this one might be a bit of a stretch, but honestly, I wanted to destroy this one game because I'm bad at it. And that's the only reason. It's because I'm horrible at this one game. The game that I'm destroying is Patchwork. And I-, I-, I like Patchwork, but I feel like Patchwork always gets put forward as like your your intro to polyomino games, right? If you want to shift those those pieces around. And I just think there, there's been a lot of innovation in that space. Um, and speaking of space, uh-huh. <laughs> the one that replaces it is uh, Planet Unknown, for me, destroys Patchwork. Because nice. you take, and I know that these these are pretty different games, but I also feel Planet Unknown, you could play like pretty quickly. And you take this great polyomino puzzle of choosing what pieces to add and and to add to your, to your building. And everyone's going to be adding pieces on their turn. And... You then you then throw in a unique player board, a unique tech track. It's like somebody took this polyomino basic structure and then threw in everything that's that I like and is amazing. And so really, I'm just using this as an excuse to talk about how much I like Planet Unknown, which I have yet to own because it's it was sold out. It was out of print. But as soon as it comes back in my local store, I'm going out and I'm purchasing a copy. I love it that much. Yeah. And and I I really am not a huge fan of Patchwork as well. And and so I kind of put this forward as uh, if you're interested in that sort of polyomino style of game, uh, there's great ones out there. And Planet Unknown is is just awesome. It's it's so good. And I feel like once you get it, you can play it really quickly. Mm-hmm. I, we played like a five player, maybe even a six player game. I think it was a five player game. And it took us, I don't know, an hour an hour oh, 15 okay right? and every everybody just because it's it's again everybody gets to do something on their turn the, the captain gets to turn the lazy susan and then everybody gets the choice between the two pieces that are at their own orientation i just yeah i love the puzzle it presents i love the going up on the different tech tracks and i can chain things together and it just satisfies my polyomino itch like no other game has and so i think i wanted to put it against patchwork because for me patchwork represents that sort of polyomino standard that people are familiar with uh and, and so that's why i'm giving a shout out to planet unknown nice. it's just so much fun awesome nice choice and yeah i mean you, you've been firing shots all show long and this one like <laughs> patchwork is like one of my all-time favorite two-player games of do, all time do you like it yeah i'd love love patchwork now that being said i, I I'm think a, i'm so bad at it and so that affects is that what okay. me not pulling it out yeah but usually that doesn't that doesn't deter me like i don't mind losing at games but it's just right something about patchwork i i don't know i just i think i just want more i think planet unknown gives me more yeah now that that being said i can see like i i don't own planet unknown either because it's been out of print for forever now and you know i'm still waiting to get a copy because i've seen playthroughs i've not played it yet i've read the rule book and i was like this seems like my jam as well like it's just uh, adding a bunch of cool stuff to the basic you know polyomino thing i mean it's got a lady lazy susan like i'm always a fan of that come on (laughs) why why not um but yeah so you know patchwork i think you're right it is sort of like the standard bearer for you know polyomino uh games because yeah. it is uh pretty easy to pick up but it's still pretty challenging as well um i i love oh, yeah. patchworks that whole like economy of buttons and stuff it's you know i i was always getting killed by my wife michelle she just owned me in that game and finally i just started watching her. i was like oh she's just picking up buttons every turn like i need to do that so i started copying her moves and I'm like okay now i can like sort of play on an even level with her so that's the nice. secret to patchwork. Just get those buttons, man. <laughs> okay, let's yeah. move on. Um, uh, any final thoughts on uh, that one, Chris? Um, before no, we move no. On? I was just going to muse about how I have a couple of friends who love, love patchwork and just uh, they just wallop me every really? time. Just every time. But it's 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 fun. It's like one of those games where I, I always want to go back to. Yeah. And when I go back to, I'm like, ah, I wish... I wish there was something different here, and I think I think for me, yeah. it's like okay, great. Uh, I could leave, I could kick Patchwork out of my collection now, having mm-hmm. and have it replaced by Planet Unknown. And then if anyone was hoping to play Patchwork, I feel I could pull out Planet Unknown and give them as good an experience, if not uh, okay. a, a more exciting one. Cool. So, yeah. 
That, that's that's fair, and I I'm think I'm you to play it. It's it, awesome. Yeah, and and the thing is, uh, for me, I look at uh, Patrick almost like a, a comfortable old shoe pair of shoes, right? Yeah, it's very comforting. Yeah, like sure. I can go back at any time. Michelle and I, we know how to play. It's like, hey, let's just play. You know, Patrick to end of the day. Just so. relax. Yeah, it, it totally chillax. Yeah. Great. Nice call. Okay. Let's move on to number eight. This is my call here. Uh, number eight is I, uh, I, I'm firing a classic here, uh, Chris. I am firing or destroying Jaipur, which is, Whoa. yeah, I, I just, you know, this is my big one here. I love Jaipur. It's a, a amazing two player game, but I was recently turned on to this game. My number eight here on our list, uh, Beer and bread, which I think destroys Jaipur. Now, it's not a total, like, you know, a total, you know, match as far as gameplay, but there's something about Jaipur where there's a lot of back and forth, right? You know, there's a push mm-hmm. and pull in that game, and there's a push and pull in beer and bread as well. So in beer and bread, you're, you know, you're trying to balance um, what you're making. You're making beer, you're making bread, and it's a resource yeah. management game. And yeah, and um, you know, you have a hand of cards. Scott Alms is a designer, one of my favorite designers. He's done the Tiny Epic Games. Um, cool. He he did this really cool thing where your deck, your hand of cards, you play them one at a time. But after each uh, card you play, you're going to hand your uh, hand over to your opponent. Your opponent gets that. They're multi-use cards, so you can play it for a resource, or you can play it for a scoring goal or a condition. You go back and forth one round, and then the next round, you don't repeat that. You actually play your cards, and then you can trade from a market of cards. And then it goes back to the next round where you trade with your opponent. A lot of back and forth in this game, just like Jaipur. You know, you're always trying to cool. balance things out. But I love the fact there's this twist at the end. So the, the end is you're going to score your lowest of the two, either your beer or your bread, whatever is your lowest. It reminds me of a Kinesia-style twist where it's like, oh, you you can go all in on bread, but you're going to score your beer or go all in on beer. You're only scoring your bread. So you you want to have that balance between both, which I find a really, really satisfying in games where I have to like take care of both. And just like Jaipur, it's just really a, a ton of push and pull, tug of war. But this one, I think, does it in more of almost like a more of a Euro style game. And I that's why I, I destroyed Jaipur and beer and bread is taking over for me, friends. So that's our number eight beer and bread um That's chris have you any thoughts on either game that i just talked about well i've played jaipur i've never played beer and bread but you make me want to i love kinesia scoring i yes. that's one of my favorite aspects of score in, in a game yeah so it's got that i'll be excited about it i love it in tigris euphrates yep. that's where i first saw it and i was like oh this is cool yeah um yeah and and just describing that back and forth of not not just having a drafting but then taking pauses to go from a market plus multi-use cards yeah that's getting me fired up yeah yeah and i just i you know again it's just that the tug of war style of gameplay in jaipur Mm -hmm. is what i relate this one to and i think you're gonna really like this one chris it's it's fantastic so let's check out so that's a number eight let's move on and let's see what rich has got for us for number seven all right now it's time for number seven and ruel Brace yourself. You are not going to be happy with this one because I hate to tell you, man, but um, number seven is Rebuilding Seattle Destroys Baron Park. Yes! Yes, I know. I'm sorry, but I had to do it. Um, Why am I comparing and contrasting these games? Why has Rebuilding Seattle claimed my heart from uh, the former glory of Baron Park? Remember, folks, Baron Park is still a great game too. But both of these games are polyomino tile layers that are dual layer. We're spending as much time focusing on building the foundation that has all these little spaces on it that we have to worry about how we do the second stage of putting our polyomino tiles on top of these foundations. Both of these games have the same core idea and there are There's one really interesting twist. The little spots on Baron Park, you want to cover them as best you can and most efficiently with your uh, polyomino pieces to trigger bonus actions. I always thought that was very nice until I played uh, Rebuilding Seattle where you desperately do not want to cover those spaces. You need to keep them open because Rebuilding Seattle um, adds this whole extra element of economy and player interaction um, with uh, group uh, events that players can trigger on their term that affect everybody. And uh, yeah, they're both great. I love polyolomino laying games, but the first time I played Rebuilding Seattle and I realized, oh, 
I don't know if I'm ever going to play Baron Park again. Now, to be fair, Baron Park has the awesome Bad News Bears expansion. So, I haven't gotten rid of Baron Park yet, but, um, you know, and, you know, I don't know if Rebuilding Seattle is ever going to get an expansion, but just comparing base game of Rebuilding Seattle to Baron Park, I'm sorry, Ruel, please forgive me. Rebuilding Seattle destroys Baron Park. Uh, I, 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 that's it. I'm out of here. Richard, Baron Park, oh my goodness. I know he's pleading for your forgiveness oh. all throughout that video, but it's oh. not enough. Oh my goodness. I mean, I have not played Rebuilding Seattle. It does look really cool, but Baron Park is a masterpiece of design by Phil Walker Harding, praise be. Um, one of my favorite designers. And it's just, it's so smooth and it's it's got cute bears. How can you say no to cute bears? But You can say no to cute bears. I mean, tell, think about this. You've got cute, horrible bears who might maul you or kidnap your whole family. Or you've got Frasier and Niles making uh, funny witticisms in the city. I don't know. I, I feel like I got to go with Richard on this one, personally. Oh, oh well, if you're going to bring up Frazier and Niles, that's just not a fair fight. Come on now. <laughs> but, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, I I, I, want, I really want to play Rebuilding Seattle. Again, another game that I've been hearing a lot of good things about. Mm. And you know what? Now, he is he is comparing base games only because I, I really feel like, true. yeah, you yeah. add in the Bad News Bears expansion to um, Baron Park. That really, I mean, it literally takes it to another level. It's like a 3D uh, element to it. So I'm, I'm going to, Richard, I forgive you for now, my friend. We, we shall see. We're going to continue the show. Um, I, hopefully, I won't feel as salty uh, by the end of it. But. He has a chance to see the light with the, with the expansion. Of <laughs> exactly. Cool. You don't have to cut him out of your life completely. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. Okay, let's uh, move on. Uh, that was our, uh, let's move on to our number six, Chris. You've got uh, a treat for us right here, my friend. I'm ready. Uh, I, I'm really excited to, to talk about this. I, I could talk about this for hours and have done uh, in the past. Um, I have a video on my channel comparing these two games with a, a buddy of mine who really likes one of them. Uh, Zombicide is a game that is being destroyed and it is destroyed by Massive Darkness 2. Nice. They are... Both of these games are, are really fun, and this is kind of where where I still land on the... Yeah, I'd still play Zombicide, and Massive Darkness 2 just does everything better, in my opinion, than Zombicide does. It's got this awesome loot system. It feels like Diablo the video game. Uh, the Diablo the board game, that's what it feels like. It's got this awesome loot system where you're getting this loot, but once you, you're picking up garbage loot, you can craft that loot into a random loot of a higher tier, so it incentivizes you still fighting the baddies and still getting that additional loot, which Zombicide doesn't do. It also brings in this awesome class system where each character class feels fun and fresh and like its own minigame puzzle and they're all so so different and they all just mesh so well together plus as you go up you can level your skills up in different ways with tech trees i just find the the variability and the experience kind of just explodes outwards with massive darkness 2 and zombicide is nice it's its own like sort of simple system and i still really enjoy it but i just if i think about playing zombicide i'll be like but Maybe maybe we should play Massive Darkness Two instead, and uh, yeah. So so that's that's for me. For for me, Massive Darkness Two destroys Zombicide hands down. Yeah. Uh, although uh, I was feeling that way, and then and then we played Zombicide again. I was like, okay, I like Zombicide fine, but I just I just yeah. really really like Massive Darkness Two, and that's been like one of the most joyous surprises of uh, of my uh, Kickstarter backings that I just impulse bought because oh. I hoped that they were good without without. Without even really researching it, yeah, yeah, I was like, "Well, let's come on," and it's says it's kind of like it looks like Diablo. Yeah, I'll probably like it, but yeah. I I really do like it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100 percent here. I've uh, been able to play Master of Darkness too a couple of times with friends before the pandemic. You know, before we all nice. locked down, uh, we had yeah. a group of us had done a couple of different zombicides. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. It just does everything. If you like Zombicide, you're going to like Massive Darkness too. just better overall. It's yeah. just a, a better system. And yeah, I'm glad you highlighted the loot thing too as well. That, that's a that's a real treat. Um, oh, having so said that, I you know, I did like some of the later Zombicides like Green Horde and Black Plague. I thought those were, mm -hmm. were fine. But um, yeah, if I had to choose, I, I'd do the same same thing to Massive Darkness yeah. too. Yeah. Okay. 
I, I'm still a little shocked over uh, Baron Park, so excuse me. <laughs> I know. You, you, well, hopefully, you can change your list on the fly, Ruel. I, you can I, pick I, everything Stefan Feld yeah. uh, can be destroyed by something. Yeah, let's uh, let's destroy Castles of Bury Me, you know, just for the heck of it. But <laughs> no, I, I want to remain on the channel, so we will not do that. So let's move on to our number five, friends. Uh, this one is my choice uh, for a game. So I like the game Suburbia. I, I thought it was a fine game, but... Recently, I played something that does similar things, but just way, like, just in a much funner way. And that is our number five, Rolling Heights, I believe, destroys Suburbia. Um, I played wow. this. Yeah, I, I played this a few times now. I just uh, streamed it live with my buddy Daryl over on Tabletop Live Network. This, Chris, is a city builder. And what you're doing is you're literally rolling meeples. And it's the funniest thing in the world. I uh, I saw a preview of this uh, uh, prototype a couple of years ago at Gen Con. And I love John D. Clare. We've talked about him already in Space Space, which should not be fired, by the way. But um, John D. Clare <laughs> is one of my favorite designers. And I remember seeing this. I was like, I don't think this is going to work. I mean, you're, it's going to be fiddly with all the meeples. I played the final production company. It works perfectly. You're just rolling all these different colored meeples. The way they land is the way the resource or the power you're going to get. And then there's a way. There's a way to mitigate bad meeple rolls. They're gonna, there's other meeples that you can re-roll. And then you're going to use those resources to build your uh, city here. The different buildings, they unlock other resources, other abilities. Oh, my gosh. There's so many different scoring options. It's one of the funnest games I've played in uh, recent memory, and it's all based on rolling meeples, Chris, and I loved it so much. And the thing is, you can see it here. Let me, uh, I'm going to scroll up a little mm -hmm. in the video um, here. It, it really starts coming together, this little city made of cubes, and you can see the towers being built. Table presence for days, friends. I mean, at the end of this, you literally have a little city that you have built thanks to your meeple rolling and... Oh boy, I it's got a little push your luck element to it. I, I really appreciate that uh, John declared sort of add this little Kubitos element. If you play Kubitos, where you're bag building, you're building, uh, you know, getting better meeples into your bag and pulling those out, and you can push your luck by trying to roll them. And if they all lie flat, that means they're exhausted and uh, you don't get any resources for them. So you have to be careful about pushing your luck. But there's, you know, you get some um, stuff too, just in case you uh, bust or whatever. But Oh man, I really love this game. Um, I it's it's a favorite of mine in recent times. I think I mean it's what we're recording this the last day of February 2023, folks. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna call this right now. It's gonna be on my top ten games of this year. Uh, you you heard it here first. Cool. I it's it's fantastic. That's why it's on number five. Rolling Heights. I really like the look of this one. I haven't played it, but I, I play Suburbia. I own Suburbia. I really enjoy Suburbia quite a bit. I love the economy that yep. gets built. Um, were those were those tiles? Um, like, are they modular tiles to set up the... They are. They are. The, uh, the building? Yeah. So uh, let me... Uh, actually, I'm going to go back to the video real quick. So if you can see here on the sides, Chris, uh, you have a stack mm. of level one on the right, level two the, uh, to the left of tiles. Those are the ones that come out from a stack. Cool. And you're going to be able to purchase those depending on, you know, how many cubes you have and so forth. So it's all modular. It's all different. And it's going to pop up, uh, you know, as they pop in here, you're going to be able to choose which buildings you're going to put here. Some of them score different. I mean, they all score differently than, than the others. You also have end game yeah. goals and you have secret missions. Oh, my God. It's got everything, man. It's it's <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, as you can tell, I'm a little hyped up about this game. I, I really no, I mean, it, it looks like a blast. I love yeah. the idea of of you being a god of the city and grabbing the poor meeples in your hand and throwing them down into your city and just saying, wherever you lie, I will use you. Uh, that's the part of the theme that really attracts me to Rolling Heights. It's just the devastation and destruction. I never even thought about that. Oh, I never. Oh, my gosh. That is so true. You're like this godlike figure. Oh, my. Now this game got 100 times better in my estimation. This is great. Throwing these people down. It's the worst day of their life, but I'm glad you were having a good time for a while. Yeah, no, it looks great. Those tiles look great. I thought I yeah. was like, oh, is that a playmat? And then I was like, no, those are tiles. Yeah, yeah. Clearly not a playmat, unlike our uh, sponsor of this episode, Crafting Kingdoms. <laughs> well, Go check them out March 7th. Well done. Well done. All right. <laughs> Let's move on. This is, this is so much fun. Let's move on and see what Richard has for our number four. Okay, everybody, we're getting in very adventurous for number four on the list because let me tell you right now, unsettled, destroyed sleeping gods for me. And, uh, you know, this was a tough one. Here's the deal. These are both big, 
wonderful narrative uh, adventure games where you play through an epic campaign over multiple sessions uh, and go on all kinds of cool cooperative adventures uh, in a mysterious uh, archipelago uh, that has been forgotten in time in Sleeping Gods or in various and sundry sci-fi exoplanets in Unsettled. So they both have the same basic idea. Uh, They both kind of occupy the same space in my heart. And I would love to keep both of them, but here's the deal, folks. I do not have enough time um, to be able to play through multiple big, epic, sprawling adventure narrative campaigns. And at the end of the day, I figured if I was only going to keep one of these two, it was going to be Unsettled. Uh, Because I think at the end of the day, Unsettled works better as a two-player game. um, Because I'm only controlling one character, and then we share control over a uh, robot, an AI robot who helps us in our exploring these different planets. Whereas in Sleeping Gods, no matter the player count, there are always, what is it, nine crew members. And if you're playing a two-player game, well, um, we still share control of the captain, but now I'm controlling four characters instead of just one character. So suddenly, I don't feel like I am in the world. I feel like I am back on the boat issuing orders to the people who are in the world. I'm a general instead of an actual character in the game. And so that's why ultimately, after I played Unsettled and realized I'm always running out of space on my shelves, and at the end of the day, if I was going to play one of these, it would definitely be Unsettled because of the amazing... I have never seen a game that does a better job of hard science fiction ideas that are really mind-bending in the best speculative science fiction way possible. This is not space fantasy. This is real science fiction in board game form, and it is excellent. And it destroyed Sleeping Gods for me, although I do hope to someday go back to Sleeping Gods. There's just no time, folks! Uh, Because time is the fire in which we burn. And that is number four, Unsettled, Destroying Sleeping Gods. Wow. Uh, another one that uh, people love, Sleeping Gods, is now has yeah. been destroyed, friends. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, I have not played either of these games. Have you, Chris? Me neither, okay. but I've, I've looked into both heavily yep. uh, because both of them have raised over a million bucks for their, for their respective campaigns. So yep. whenever that happens, I do like a deep dive on them on my channel uh, and try to be the devil's advocate on, on that. But uh, I, can, I can see that argument. Uh, I, I'm surprised at the level of narr- narrative campaign that he got from unsettled personally i i thought it seemed more like a uh, a unique puzzle for each one and and how all the modules uh fit in and right. and most people like getting more and more of those planets because they give that new unique puzzle a new u- unique world mm-hmm. i do like the writing of unsettled though i remember laughing and, and thinking that it was very tongue-in-cheek uh when i was when i was looking into that i but i i, I also have heard that complaint about sleeping gods in terms of there being so many crew members to manage especially if you're doing it solo or especially if you're doing it with like two players mm-hmm. uh and so i i think sleeping gods 2 will help address that as well because that yep. one's only to have four characters i'm pretty sure so uh yeah yeah cool. I, that's that's an interesting comparison I, I i like that as a comparison because it's it's not expected to me at yeah least. yeah totally um okay great um and i'm just glad he didn't fire any more of uh phil walker harding games so uh i'm happy well, about that there's still there's still number one still number one. one more chance i, I mean my big mouth we'll see <laughs> but let's uh move on we, we're now at the top three uh this is uh your call chris and yep. an interesting one in in my opinion this is uh, that's funny that you say that this is the one that i thought of immediately this is when i heard that this list was happening i said yes i can't wait for this to be my number one because i feel so passionately about this game and i think i think it should wipe dominion off the map mm-hmm. a dominion the age-old deck builder uh there is a, a game that does it better that is basically exactly like Dominion, but you also get a board, which I just love the addition of a board, and that is the game Trains. Yes. Uh, I think Trains destroys Dominion, and I know people might fight me for this, but I am ready for the battle. Trains is so good. It's so unassuming. Something about Trains and something with such 
kind of a, a bland theme and artwork. Well, I guess it's against Dominion, but it's kind of got a bland uh, general theme uh, of, of fantasy. This is a general theme of trains. Uh, it, it shouldn't be this good, and I shouldn't like it this much, but I do. I think it is so fun uh, tra training and chaining things together to... to um, create this synergy of your deck and and get bonuses, but also having this little area control route building efficiency puzzle on the board. I think I just like I I love deck building with a board. I love any like I really enjoy deck building, but when you throw in another aspect to consider with your deck building, that's what really hits the sweet spot for me. And so trains giving everything that I really enjoyed about Dominion. I like Dominion. I've played it a lot. I played it a bunch online because it's so easy to randomize all the expansions. And so you just cram them in there and you can bang out a game in, in, in a record time. Yeah. But uh, pulling out trains and playing it, I was like, great, this gives me all I wanted from base Dominion. Plus it has this board element that I find exciting and, and interesting to try to navigate and fight for. And just adds another little something of resources that you have to sort of manage of how how quickly you're gonna extend across the board and if you're gonna try to get board points or if you're gonna try to get card points. And I like that balance of those two. Mm -hmm. And so that's why for me, Dominion's out of here. I got rid of Dominion from my, I called Dominion from my collection because I only had the base game and also friends yeah. of mine have a, a bunch of it. Uh, I would prefer to play it online, but trains, I would I would love to pull out all the time. And I often find myself just putting it in, if I'm going over to a game night, I'm like, oh, I have a space for one more game in the bag. Yeah, I'll just put trains in there. And we'll see if I can <laughs> nice. Play it. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I just think, uh, yeah, it gives me everything Dominion gives me yeah. and it gives me a little bit more. And so, so that's why it, it is unequivocally my number one yeah i you know I, our I, number three our number three your number one i feel like we yeah. we have like uh, two halves of an amulet here you have one half i have one half chris because i am right there with you 100 percent agree trains kill dominion for me as well and i love the fact uh when i, I love when games take that deck building mechanism and give me more mm -hmm. with a board right um the three that I always come up that i always talk about trains uh tyrants of the underdark and clank mm -hmm. Those three right there, I would play any day plus twice on Sunday over Dominion because it's like, you know, you have the deck building element, but then it's like, oh, in Tyrants of the Underdark, you have area control. In Trains, you have, you know, route building. And in Clank, you have a dungeon crawl. You know, it's just, it's so much better with stuff on top of it, right? I, I just, I love the game. Um, Have you played the Trains expansion? I forget what it's called, but there's an expansion. I, I think it's called Rising Sun. Rising Sun, that's oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I haven't. You, you should play it. It's 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 more the same. And you again, just like it's funny, like you'll see Dominion and uh, uh, Trains cards like, oh, this is, you know, this card and this is that card. Yeah, they have a little <laughs> bit more of that in the expansion, but they also have new cards that are like not none, uh, nothing like any Dominion cards. And they do add, I think, the uh, the destinations of, of Trains so you can connect oh, to uh, cool. two spots and get bonus points for that. So yeah, cool. definitely check out the expansion. But oh, I'm so glad you brought up trains. I love. I think this is such an underrated game. Not enough Agreed. people talk about it, right? Agreed. Wholeheartedly agree. I I think trains is so much fun. Yeah, I don't know why it's uh, overlooked so much. I think it might have been the time when AEG before they changed their model. They used to come out with like a lot of games every year, and they've stopped yeah. doing that. They've really narrowed their focus down. And I think this was just one of those games lost in the shuffle back in the day. Um, I, I don't know, but maybe that's what it happened. But maybe, such a yeah, game. I think the art doesn't help too, right? Like, yeah, pictures of trains. Yeah, pictures of modern trains. And yeah, people will go, yeah, okay, just yeah. a game called Trains. What is that? Yeah, like big whoop, right? <laughs> yeah, but it is a big whoop. It's yeah, it is so good. It's so good. Agreed. Okay, good choice. Okay, let's move on to our number two. This is my number one. I feel like this one's a softball too, uh, just based on recent opinions over the last couple of years. Uh, the number two and my number one is, um, let me uh, press the, the button here, Ark Nova Destroys Terraforming Mars. Wow, I, it made it on the list. Yeah, I I don't... I, I played Ark Nova, I think, three times now. I've only played three times, but after my first play... I was like, yep, bye-bye, Terraforming Mars. I, I, I like, I loved you, Terraforming Mars. I actually loved Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition a little better, but then Ark Nova came in and said, you know what? I'm going to do what Terraforming Mars does with a big old deck of cards, some tile lane, engine building, and I'm going to do it better. Um, now, here's one thing. Everyone said the art was better in Ark Nova. I, you know, I didn't think the art was great in Terraform Mars, but I didn't think the Ark Nova 
art blew away to like I still think they could improve the art here. Why not go with cute critters and rather than these like sort of standard <laughs> pictures and stuff? But anyways, besides that, what really sets this, this game apart, I think, is that action selection system where you have five actions. And sort of like what you were talking about Abomination earlier, how some actions degrade or resource degrade. This one, the actions can improve depending on what slot you put in it. It can be more powerful. And I think that's such a really interesting way to do uh, the action selection system here with the cards. And also you have the two tracks and then you're going to eventually... When those, you know, twains meet, and I forgot how the poem goes. I'm not going to try to uh, repeat it. But when those tracks uh, um, uh, hit, that's when the end game triggers. And you're going to, uh, you know, it's really easy to score negative points in this game, Chris. And I may have scored negative points more than positive points. But the one time, (laughs) I've not won in this game. But the one time I played positive, I count, uh, I I score positive points. I count that as a win in my book. Uh, But Overall, I mean, it is if you like that crunchy Euro engine building style game, if you like Terraform Mars, folks, Arc Nova destroys it. It's better in all aspects, and that's why it's our number two on the list of games that destroy other games, Arc Nova. It's definitive. That's how it is. That's it, folks. Sorry to tell you. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know if I – if I mean, it is definitive, so I have to agree. Okay. I don't know if I agree 100%. Okay. For me, I would still play both. I, I still have a craving for Terraforming Mars. And I still have a craving for Ark Nova. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't like – I think in Ark Nova, I don't like how so often you can get a negative score. It just yeah. feels like after all that work and all that time, you're yeah. just like – Oh, and feels- now I'm minus eight. Wow, I really did a great hey, it job. It feels like patchwork, that right? That might have been a good job. Yeah. <laughs> feels like patchwork. <laughs> I'll play Ark Nova or Patchwork any day. Um, yeah, but I, I see yeah. the parallels so much in terms of the the card-driven engine building. Yep. I think because of the the difference of the difference of, of resources that you can get with terraforming Mars versus the fun five card puzzle of Ark Nova. That's enough difference for me yeah. to want to play both. But I, I love that action selection system in Ark yeah. Nova that I think so is good. so slick yep. and, and the, and that you can upgrade only, you can never upgrade all five throughout the game. I also think is a very exciting design decision. Agreed. So, agreed. Yeah. So great game. Yeah. Even though I just, we just did this definitively, I'm going to walk my own opinion back a little bit because <laughs> when I do want to play Terraform Mars, again, I'm more of a space sci-fi guy. So I like that theme better. I there will, I still have Terraform Mars Ares Expedition for my Terraform mm. Mars fix. Cause I like that version uh, better than the OG one, but have you ever been able to play Ares Expedition yet? Chris, I no. haven't, but oh. I've played Race for the Galaxy, and it feels like yep. it's just that with a board. Yeah. Which, hey, throw a board in there. You know I'm going to like it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. Nice. Okay, let's uh, see what Rich has got for us uh, for number one, friends. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, folks, we are here at the end of the list. And before we get to the number one game that destroyed another game, which, oh, that caused such a firestorm of controversy the first time I talked about it uh, a couple of months ago, and I'm just bringing more heat now, but I just wanted to uh, chime in on some of the choices of my uh, uh, fellow R&Rs. Chris, thank you. For setting the record straight, yes, Agricola destroys Caverna. That would have totally made my list, except I played Agricola long before Caverna. And uh, yeah, it is clearly the superior design. It's so weird. There are lots of other channels that have done versions of this type of countdown. And almost every single time, Caverna destroys Agricola. No, no, no. Chris, I knew I liked you. Agricola totally destroys Caverna. I completely agree. And Ruel, yeah, I totally did Cascadia, you know, uh, beating Carcassonne. That's kind of a no-brainer. 
no-brainer. Oh, and uh, Dinosaur Rar and Right, the Roll and Right of original Dinosaur Island. Yes, it's amazing. What a big step up that is. I still got to try Dinosaur World, though. And uh, Planet Unknown Destroying Patchwork. Yes, yes, yes. Planet Unknown was my number one game of 2022, so I agree there. But... Beer and bread beating Jaipur? That is blasphemy! Blasphemy, I tell you! Beer and bread is fantastic, but Jaipur is one of the all-time greats. So that's just silly talk. Um, oh, what else? I could care less about Massive Darkness or Zombie Side. Rolling Heights definitely destroys Suburbia. Just missed my shortlist. I was going to have Subdivision beat Suburbia. If I'd put that on, man, we would have really been beating up on Suburbia today. Not that Suburbia isn't great, too. Remember what I said up front, folks. These are all great games that are beating other... Great games, too. Anyway, um, what else did you guys have? Oh, uh, yeah. Trains beats Dominion. No, Chris, you're wrong. And anybody who uh, agrees with me in the comments, you're my best friend now. Uh, Chris, I was high, but now you've fallen in my estimation. And, uh, oh, yeah, Ark Nova over Terraforming Mars, seven ways to Sunday as far as I'm concerned. But now, folks, the number one on the list. Oh, this is going to cause problems. At least I, if history repeats itself. Because let me tell you, folks, right now that um, Arborea destroys Batoku. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and uh, you know, I mentioned this when I did my final thoughts for Arborea when it was on Kickstarter. Was it last month, I think? I just mentioned in passing, and uh, the developers took that quote and put it on their Kickstarter page. And oh my gosh, that released... I mean, there are threads devoted to this on BoardGameGeek. So many comments came in. Uh, how could I compare these two? How the, the two have nothing to do with each other. And I'm like, really? Have you looked at these two games? They're both where we uh, games where we play, um, you know, ethereal nature spirits trying to help pilgrims go on their pilgrimages through worker placement. And in both games, our workers upgrade over time through the passage of time. There are so many overlaps between these games. They are both bright, colorful explorations of nature. Um, they both have vertical uh, portrait-style boards instead of landscape boards. I mean... Don't get wrong. Yes, the gameplay is different, but the reality is, I mean, and I really love Batoku. Batoku is phenomenal, uh, even if it is a curse word in French, apparently, and I'm sure all the French listeners are just uh, giggling themselves every time I say Batoku. But when I played Arborea, uh, Arborea is basically the setting and the feel and the aesthetic of Batoku fused with the um, time passage gameplay of one of the all-time great worker placement games, Zulk in the Mayan Calendar. And that so elevates this experience. I talked about this in my final thoughts for Arborea, so I don't have to relitigate that now. But for all the folks out here who say, these games have nothing to do with each other, I just wanted to take the opportunity to say, I, trust me, I've played both. Uh, they are both fantastic games. I could totally see why if somebody loves Bitoku, they would definitely love Arborea too. Um, because they're both wonderful, deep, heavy, crunchy worker placement games in this same setting with the cool idea that your workers over time become greater and better and access to more and more stuff. But um, everything about Arborea pushes gaming to the next level. It's so full of such amazing, cool ideas, and it's such an interesting patchwork of different mechanisms that, uh, you know, if it comes out in 2023, I wouldn't be surprised if it makes my top 10 of the year. Although I'm not sure if it's going to be 2023 or 2024. So I apologize, folks. I'm talking way early about a game uh, that I've played and most people can't play yet, but it's fantastic. Number one on the list, Arborea Destroys Bitoku. And I'll let you guys finish it off now. Okay, well, that game is going to come out in a year or two or whatever. Like, I, <laughs> what can you say about it? I mean, it does look uh, pretty awesome. Um, it does look good. I, yeah. I remember covering it on my... Uh, I've got a Monday show covering everything on Kickstarter. And oh, okay. I thought it looked fun. I, I, like, the, I like the comparison to Solkin which mm-hmm. um you can see with the workers they kind of they get better over yep. time yeah uh, but yeah those boards look the same to me you yeah right back and forth i was like <laughs> oh yeah i mean just look at them yeah the vault beautiful yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but all right so um i thought it was interesting a richard's thoughts on our games that we chose um that was fun it was such a roller coaster i was at yeah. the highest of highs 
and then realized how wrong Richard can be when he did not accept that. I mean, majority rules here. Trains, Trains. the minion. It's two versus one. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, sorry Richard. Richard. <laughs> so all those. Yeah. Anyone who comments that in the comments is now my best, best friend. And I will personally make sure to shove one of my existing best friends out of my life um, <laughs> to so that you can fill that void. There so, you go. You heard it here first. Folks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, what a fun list to do. This, this is great, uh, Chris. I um, want to thank you all again for uh, watching and hanging out with us here on the r Show. Uh, Chris, any final thoughts before we get out of here? No, I, I, I love the list. Uh, I think it's it was fun talking about these games, and uh, Trains is incredible. Yeah, uh, I agree. And uh, so is Phil Walker-Harding, who should never have Baron Park uh, punched or destroyed. But anyways, we'll leave that for <laughs> another show. I uh, want to thank our sponsors, uh, Crafting Kingdoms, uh, for mm-hmm. um, sponsoring this show. And that'll be do- uh, that'll do it for the R&R show. Be sure to click on the I in the top right corner for more great content here on the Rotter Runs Through channel. Bye, friends. <laughs>